The last 500 miles of the Pacific Crest Trail are in Washington State, from the Bridge of the Gods on the Columbia River to Monument 78 near Manning Park in Canada. The mountains of Washington are bigger than those of Oregon, and the forests more lush than those of California. The northern Cascades may be sunny for much of the summer, but by the time most northbound PCT hikers reach Washington, they find themselves in a race against the rain and snow of winter to reach the finish line before it's too late. This is Ratatouille, and you're listening to Trailside Radio. Anybody that survives this far doesn't have a chip on their shoulder, doesn't have a attitude. Yeah, an attitude, I'm superior. And uh, they just come up here and everybody's everybody. And I really like it. That's what attracted me. We're here to help you finish your hike. This is your last leg. Yeah, there's so much planning, either trying to get around fires or trying to get around snow, your food, your equipment. You got to be sober to take care of business when you're getting up here. Yeah, if I'm going to hike a trail, it's important to me to hike the trail, yeah, as opposed to saying, hey, I just I just figured out a way to save five miles if I walk this Forest Service road. Whatever, you know, I, I, I'm, I, I came to savor the miles. Welcome, everybody. Before I get too deep into this episode, I'd like to put out a call for help to all of you listening. I've been honored to bring you this podcast all year, sharing stories from so many amazing people that I've met, but it's been brought to my attention that some people who would like to enjoy these stories are unable to because they are deaf or otherwise hearing impaired. I've had a few requests for transcripts so that everybody can enjoy these tales, and I will be typing up transcripts for a couple episodes myself, but I do not have time to go through them all. And I thought I'd put out the call to all of you, and if you're interested in transcribing an episode or two, uh, please email me at trailsideradio at gmail.com, and hopefully together we can make the Trailside Radio experience a more inclusive one. The last episode took us up through northern Oregon to Cascade Locks, where hundreds of hikers rendezvoused at the Pacific Crest Trail days. Uh, After attending that, I spent a couple of days in Portland, which is the city I've called home for the last 18 years. I have to be honest with you, I was very tempted to stay there and just call it a summer. I had already skipped hundreds of miles of trail, so I was no longer in the running to finish a through hike, and I didn't have enough time or money left to hike all of Washington State anyway. Uh, Much of the PCT in Washington was closed because of fire, and the weather reports promised little but cold and rain if I hiked north. But I did get back on trail, and I'll tell you why. Because of this podcast. I didn't want to end in Oregon and leave the first season of Trailside Radio with no sense of closure or completion. I wanted to interview hikers as they closed in on Canada and started to revel in that sense of accomplishment So, having hiked the southern half of Washington last year, 
I got a ride up to Snoqualmie Pass and hiked north. It was cold. It was rainy. I didn't see many people that first week. In fact, after skipping sections of Oregon and Washington, I found myself towards the front of the herd for the first time in my whole adventure. I made it to Stevens Pass without much happening. Uh, When I had left Snoqualmie Pass, the PCT was still closed north of Stevens Pass. But by the time I got up there, the rains had gotten the nearby forest fires under control, and the trail had been reopened. I hitched west to visit Hiker Haven, which is the name for the home of Trail Angels Andrea and Jerry Dinsmore. I interviewed them, as well as a few other hikers who were staying there. In this episode, you'll hear my conversation with the Dinsmores, as well as a hiker named El Flacco, who I first met at kickoff back in April. And next week, you'll hear from the other hikers I interviewed at Hiker Haven. But for now, let me introduce you to PCT Mom and PCT Dad, also known as Andrea and Jerry Dinsmore. I am here with two of the best-known trail angels on the PCT, the Dinsmores. Thanks for having us up here. Our pleasure. How has it been this year? Uh, been very good. We've put a couple of new rules into effect, mm-hmm. which haven't gone over very good sometimes. Mm-hmm. And the one I'm familiar with is uh, no alcohol. Yeah, that's that's new this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not because we've had problems, any major problems in the past with alcohol. Mm-hmm. It's because of the chatter we hear coming up the trail ever since mm-hmm. kickoff about two or three groups yeah. of partiers. Yeah. Okay. And the impression they're leaving on the rest of the hiker community, mm-hmm. it's not good. Yeah, I have witnessed some of that myself, absolutely. And it's, it's a very few people who drink to excess to where they become a problem for others, but I've definitely seen that in trail towns along the way this year. They all, from what we hear, they all seem to kind of group together. Mm-hmm. So instead of one or two people getting drunk and acting stupid, mm-hmm. um, I'm people, trying to mince my words yeah. here. <laughs> no, yeah, people feed off of each other. and it, They do. Yeah. Kind of like peer definitely. pressure in high school. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, so you're just trying to nip that in the bud and yeah, before it hits yeah, here, discourage it from happening before it beca- even becomes a problem here. Yeah. Well, you said uh, there were some more. Than, there was more than one new rule. What other new rules do you have? Over a year ago, we started posting our new mailing address, mm-hmm. and because Jerry had open heart surgery last September, mm-hmm. we didn't want him or me anymore carrying seven or eight hundred boxes from the post office to here. Yeah. So we started uh, in September advertising everywhere we could. Everything needed to be UPS or FedEx. And about maybe a third of them that were mailed came correctly. And that was so all the boxes would be delivered right to our mail room. Mm -hmm. So we wouldn't have to go to one of at that time, two different post offices to try and find their mail for them. Then they started sending it to the house address, which had never been posted before, because it was a FedEx-only address. Mm-hmm. 
they started sending all the boxes to the post offices, thinking the postal carrier would bring them to the house. Mm -hmm. But we don't have postal carriers out here. All we have is a post office box, and we have to go check every day for it. Mm -hmm. How have you handled all those packages? Well, the ones that came to our P.O. box in Skycomish are still there. Okay. So she's got a bunch of boxes there. Mm -hmm. Are people able to pick them up there? Yeah, just we aren't. <laughs> sure. Yeah, and then they started sending them to the Bering Post Office, which is about, I know that you can't see it sure, on the radio, sure, yeah. but it's about... 10 feet long and about 3 feet wide and then you put all our post office junk in there and there's mm -hmm. no room. And it's illegal for them to store mailboxes outside the the office. So they don't have the room for they it? They have no there. room. Mm -hmm. How have they been handling them? Oh, we've had to go over and pick up all the boxes. Okay. And then some got mailed down to Gold Bar, which is 13 miles away. And I don't know how that one worked. We don't go down there. So as far as I was concerned, so many people did their own thing instead of trying to help us out. And starting next year in 2016, we will receive no mail from the hikers. Mm -hmm. There are plenty of other options here, it seems. Well, I mean, yeah, they opened up up at the summit. and Yeah, at Stevens Pass. I think there. a lot of them are using that. Yeah. But then also at the summit, they're UPS FedEx only also. Mm -hmm. And for the hikers that didn't read that correctly either and sent it USPS, it ended up in Leavenworth, 35 miles to the east. Oh, gosh. Because Stevens will not bring them up. Mm -hmm. yeah. So the hikers are only making more trouble for themselves. And because of them not reading directions mm -hmm. and following them, yeah, or using outdated information. Yes. I had one gal say, well, I'm looking at Yogi's 2012 book. Why? <laughs> you know, we could be dead. And you're going to send us your boxes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, a lot of people will call mm -hmm. or email. You know, are, are you still in business? Are you still taking boxes? Are you still doing hikers? Mm -hmm. Which is great. Yeah. Yeah, I messaged um, you the day I, the morning before I came over here just, just to check in and yeah. Make sure you're still hosting hikers. and we, we will be until we're both dead. We are just trying to make it easy for us so we can continue doing it. Mm -hmm. I imagine a lot of people listening probably know a bit about your story as trail angels, but how long have you been doing it? How long have you been hosting hikers here? 13 years. 13 years. And what inspired you to start? Want somebody to talk to? <laughs> I retired and came up here. There was people that were lost, didn't know what to do, and mm -hmm. sitting around. And I took them home. She got mad at me. <laughs> kind of like bringing stray dogs home. <laughs> Dirty, muddy stray dogs. But we sat around the campfire out there and enjoyed it and found out that they were there was three of them. Two of them were doctors and one was a school teacher. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, you get an amazing variety of backgrounds from hikers. Yeah, I work in custom relations all my life and when I retired I missed it. Mm -hmm. so, it's a hard deal but I guess we all get older. How has the experience changed over the years? There's Getting a lot bigger. More, yeah, a lot more hikers. <laughs> more people. More expecting that we should be supplying them with everything. I've been calling it 
entitlement mm-hmm. for the past three or four years, and as we saw it from our end, changing over the years, as a through hiker or any hiker, you're not entitled to anything no. on actually, the trail. Actually, what you're doing is it costs us $5,000 a year to do this, just about. Yeah. And that's not counting the building that I built. And of course, they all donated into that, and I can't shut them down on that because that was great. But uh, 5000 and we could recover out of that box out there about 2500 mm-hmm. Well, in that... And then we put the septic and drain field in, which is another five. That was two. But, uh, yeah, it's uh, it gets harder. But the thing of it is, is uh, we don't take a vacation. So we donate that to our vacation. So. Mm-hmm. So, probably wouldn't take one anyway, but... <laughs> no, but there is stuff that improvements on the house that we had planned when we first moved in here that we haven't done because the hiker numbers have grown mm-hmm. and our priority at this point in our life is the hikers. Mm-hmm. And making it easier for them also makes it easier for us. And we may never get those other things when we bought the house, we planned on putting a front porch and deck out there. Yeah. Well, we've been in the house six years now. Mm-hmm. First, got to get rid of the wasp's nest, right? Yes. Yeah, right. Now, I know you host more than just hikers here these days. Like, um, last night, there was a young man from Sweden who's cycling, cycling across yeah. the country. Yeah. Stayed here. We don't get many of them. Maybe and, seven, eight a year. Okay. Because mm-hmm. this isn't really on their route. Their route is Highway 20. Mm-hmm. And the only reason they come this way is maybe the snow or the weather or something, you know. Mm-hmm. I heard that you host, was it some of the ski instructors yeah, here during the winter? Yeah, we're bringing the ski instructors in. They're going to help bail us out this year. Mm-hmm. And we rent to them. They, okay. They got a specific $300 a month payment that they make to us. Okay. And uh, I don't know, how many we got coming in this year? Uh, four or five. Yeah, and we get the same ones every year. Okay. They were in here last year, and they're going to be in here this year. And uh, that's kind of neat because they only take it three nights out of the week because uh, they live in Seattle and they just come up here and then they stay the weekend. Stay during during their work week, basically. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so uh, it kind of works out nice. And they're a good group. It's just I enjoy people and I like to mix them, not at one time, but I like to deal with all brands of them. Mm-hmm. And uh, the hiking industry does that. Because I had two hikers here, and we were all, well, there was a bunch of us sitting around the campfire. And these two particular guys sat together over at the edge of the campfire and just BSed the whole night. And the others got up and left, and them two were still sitting there BSing. And I thought it was so neat, because one of them was a bum. He had $600 a month coming in, and I know that because I cashed his check. <laughs> and the guy sitting next to him was a millionaire. <laughs> and they sat there and talked the whole night and had a good time, I mean. Mm-hmm. Nobody was forcing nothing. And I often thought, if they was down in L.A., they'd never talk to each other. Sure. It's one of the But amazing they sit thing. out there because nobody, anybody that survives this far doesn't have a chip on their shoulder, doesn't have a 
uh, attitude. Yeah, an attitude. I'm superior, mm -hmm. and uh, they just come up here, and everybody's everybody, and I really like it. That's what attracted me because when I was working, I used to go in these different shops around the country, and uh, I was representing a trucking outfit, and uh, they all. Well, Jared, this guy's no good. This guy, you don't want to listen to him and everything, you know. Building themselves up to me. Well, I didn't like that. That's, that's not the way it worked. And usually it's those guys that I don't want to deal with. Mm -hmm. So, anyway, when I come here and, of course, you tell a story, these guys would say, oh, that's not the way to hear what I did. Well, that shuts me off right there. Mm -hmm. So, but I come here and I haven't had one hiker do that. They'll listen to your story, then they'll tell theirs. And it just, it's so soothing to my heart to know that I don't have to be on edge. To, and that's what I like. That's why I sit out there at the campfire with them and we have all kinds of stories. Half of us bullshit, but what the hell, it's entertaining. <laughs> I think there's something about the trail that strips away a lot of the superficial things. Exactly. You're all walking the same trail. You're all carrying your own food, your own sleep, you know, conveniences. And ninety percent of them don't know what the guy sitting next to them does. Mm -hmm. That's true. Uh, They're just a through hiker. Yeah. Uh, or a section hiker. Yeah, we had one guy come through here. He's a big sucker, six eight, and weighed at least three hundred pounds. Mm -hmm. And his pack weighed sixty five pounds. But he was fit. Yeah, he wasn't fat. And so. Everybody got up and left the campfire, and him and I was sitting out there, and I says, what do you do for a living? He says, I'm retired. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I'm retired from the FBI. And I said, oh, yeah. So we started talking about different cases that I knew of. This one particular one was back in Washington, D.C., because I was back there. Oh, yeah, he says, that was my case. And we talked about it, and he told me all about it, That probably not all about it, but he told me about the different things that uh, this guy had done and what they did. I told him as he's leaving, I says, you're not retired. He says, what makes you say that, Jerry? Well, for one thing, you don't retire from a job like that. And I says, for another thing, uh, you're into it too much, you can't retire. Well, it ain't no will to it, sucker. How'd I do? <laughs> he says, oh, you did good, Jerry. <laughs> So, anyway, that, that's the kind of stuff I like. Now, you've done a fair amount of work this year and probably other years in keeping hikers informed about things like trail closures I'm with sure. all the fires this year. Yeah. yeah I, I heard a rumor you may have also had a hand in putting some of the pressure on the Forest Service and or the Parks Department to open the trail as soon as they were able. Is there any, any truth we, to that? We sent some emails and made some phone calls along with the, we've got a retired Forest Service man that lives up in Darrington that put his two cents worth in to the right people. Mm -hmm. And then Chris is a retired National Park Service and he was in on it with a couple other people. The Blankenship Fire, they, it's only 160 acres for a long time. And it grew to 180, and by the time the hikers were getting up here and wanting to go through, 
they had pulled everybody off that fire and put them over in on the Wolverine fire in eastern Washington. So they had houses and businesses and people to protect. Yeah. And over here, the Blankenship fire was up in the middle of the woods and not bothering anybody and not growing. Mm -hmm. So a bunch of us, you know, on our own kind of went around and made waves. Right. You know, the, the squeaky wheel type thing. Yeah. Just bring it to and their attention it, that there's all these hikers who are... They had no idea yeah. how many hikers were out here heading north. And, and we had them all. <laughs> I, I imagine you saw a lot of people leave the trail here this year? A lot of them got on yeah. the bus here, yeah. A lot of them went to Chelan and took the boat up. A lot of them went up to the closure at the Seattle Bridge and went to Darrington and then tried to hitch around through Marble Mount on Highway uh, 20. Then they closed that and then they closed the Cascade River Road Trail and so they're going up there and then flipping back to here and then going to Chelan and going up and it, it, it was a mess. But it's it's open now. It's all open. Yes. <laughs> you know, and, and it's hard to stand here and with hundreds of hikers that you know have already hiked 2,450 miles or so and all of their dream is and their soul only has 200 more miles to go after this you know four or five month trip and the look in their eyes is like a little kid who just watched their puppy die yeah and, and it made me sick yeah. and it, there was nothing I could do I, I couldn't fix it yeah you know moms like to fix the kids problems Besides, it's about to throw you out of the door. Oh, jeez. <laughs> and every time I'd walk outside with an update on it that I'd print out to go post out there, they'd all come running at me, what's new, what's new? I'm going, it's not open yet, but they're working on it. You know, they're... <laughs> yeah. It's easy to comprehend if the trail itself is on fire, but when it's just a precaution, it's tougher for hikers to well, accept that. I don't know for sure whether the, the trail itself... PCT was actually on fire or if it last I heard it was like 400 feet off the trail well 400 feet ain't nothing mm -hmm. when you're out oh, in the sure. middle of the woods yeah you know the wind changes it can go right back I've asked a couple hikers when they get up there to the closure to take pictures of the trail where it burned so I can see is it a mile is it five miles it's it was closed for 14 miles yeah. but the whole 14 miles wasn't on fire mm -hmm. it was just from point a to point b and somewhere in the middle it was on fire mm -hmm. and i want to see what was on fire and for the guys coming up how far do you have to hike before you hit the ash and the burned out trees to where the ash ends so you mm -hmm. can plan your hike you know maybe sleep just before you know it whatever mile marker, just before the ash, and then the next day hike through the ash so you don't have to sleep in it. So mm -hmm. that, that's my next job up here. And, and that 14 miles of trail closure basically cut off about 100 miles of trail. Is that right? There wasn't really a way to get to the other side of that 14 miles, if I understand. Well, at, at first there was. Okay. You know, first they ran up to the, the Seattle Bridge, and then they sent you to the east to Holden Village. Well, then the Wolverine Fire took over that area, so they closed that. Then they ran you to the west, to Darrington, and up 530 to Highway 20, and then either 
hitch all the way to Rainy Pass, or you could hitch up to Marble Mount going north and go in the Cascade River Road trail. Well, now they're working on that road, and oh, okay. so you can't get to the trailhead. Mm -hmm. They've closed it to people and vehicles and hikers. There's a, there's a, so it's a combination of reasons that that 100 miles became inaccessible at one point. Yeah. Every few days, the, the reroutes would change. You know, either a new fire up at New Halem on Highway 20, so you couldn't get through. Then the construction and the fire at Holden Village and all to get around this 14-mile stretch <laughs> on the PCT. Right now it's all open. I think we're out of fire season. The rains have started. And you guys may not like the rains, but it's putting the fires out. Oh, yeah. I'd rather... I'm sure most hikers would rather hike through the rain than turn around and go then home. Then not hike at all. Yeah. Someone told me that uh, some hikers a couple weeks ago had set up a, a monument here at well, in front of the door. They were going to. Yeah, I heard they were going to build one. Okay, they were talking about it. A life-size monument. For those who are having to end early. Yeah. Just make the well. That'd be cool. Yeah, we could put it out under a tree or something and... Anyway, to, if this is going to be the end of our trip, then let's at least celebrate it properly. And, in 2013, yeah. a lot of their trips ended here because on September 25th, we got dumped with five or six feet of powder snow up on the hill. Yeah. And the people that had were like a day ahead of it, you know, everything was hunky-dory. Mm -hmm. And then it dumped within three days about five or six feet of snow. Yeah. You couldn't get through it. And they tried, and we'd load them up with five or six days worth of food. To their standards, they decided, well, it's five days from here to Stahican, I can make it in five days. Yeah. Well, like two days later, they'd be out on the trail and realize they're only making maybe two or three miles a day instead of their 15 to 20 a day, and they're running out of food. So they got to turn around and come back and hit the highway before they run out of food and then come back down here. They tried three or four different routes trying to get in. Oh, wow. And every time they come back, we had collected food in the spring before all this started. And we just resupply them with food and send them out on their next attempt. <laughs> and by the end of the season, they were hitching over to Highway 97 and roadwalking Canada or hitching over to Highway 9 and roadwalking North. Mm -hmm. Um, or quitting. You know, not everyone is an experienced hiker and not everyone is experienced in the snow. Yeah, especially in the mountains. Yeah. Where it can be a little more dangerous. Yep. We've had a lot come back this year. Yeah. I don't know why they skipped last year, but we probably had seven or eight come back this year. You know, do you remember me from 2013 in the snow? <laughs> well, of course I remember you. Mm -hmm. You know, don't you all out there in Radio Land get pissed, but when you come back and you're clean-shaven and you got a suit on or something and you show up at our front door and go, oh, do you remember me? And I try and say yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I don't want them to there's, feel bad. Yeah, but, but there's a lot of us these days. You know, there's... When, you, when we first meet you and get to know you, yeah. you've got a beard, you're dirty, you're scrawny, 
Mm-hmm. You, your face is not shaped like it is two years later after eating city food. Mm-hmm. And you're all cleaned up and, you know, getting ready to go to the office or something. Mm-hmm. You don't look anything like you did mm-hmm. <laughs> when you were here. No. Yeah, we'd almost rather see the bearded, scrawny ones is we know what you've been doing and where you're going and <laughs> and kind of what your story is. Yeah. And we're we're here to help you finish your hike. This is your last leg. This is the and stretch. There's a lo- so much planning, either trying to get around fires or trying to get around snow, your food, your equipment. You got to be sober to take care of business when you're getting up here. Yeah. So I had one guy his name was Lost. He come in here one night and he was lost. He was. It was after dark and I met him down at the gas station. I took him up to the house and I mean his hair was long, his beard was long, and he was just a little guy. And he stayed a couple of days and got back on his feet. And he was from Arizona. So then I suppose it was the next year. Here this guy comes in the restaurant up there. Hi, Jerry. I said, Well, hello. How you doing? He said, You remember me? No, not really. Because I'm lost. Oh, shit. I mean, this guy was clean shaven, had a suit on, driving a fancy car. Yeah. And I says, Oh, man. He says, Yeah. He says, I come up here. He says, I'm working down Cedar Willow in an office. God, what a difference. I mean, yeah. I couldn't get over the change. Oh, it's, even sometimes it's something as simple as shaving the beard. I've had fun a couple of times on the trail when I've gotten just enough of a beard and I get to town and I shave it off and trim my hair and I I can bump into hikers that I was hiking with on the trail two days earlier who don't recognize me. We had a guy show up here last week. He he had the hair, the beard, the whole ball of wax and he went in, took a shower, shaved his head, shaved his beard and I walked into the hiker dorm and here's his bald head sitting with his back to me. And I go up and put my hand on his head and go, oh are you new? (laughs) Excuse me, you haven't checked in yet. <laughs> yeah, I need your picture. <laughs> and he goes, no, and he turns around, and I still didn't recognize him. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just like a whole new entity sitting there in front of me. Yeah. How many hikers have you had come through so far this year? Um, I haven't counted in the past couple of days, but we should be at like 395. Mm-hmm. And the herd hasn't even hit yet. Oh, no. What's the, there's supposed to be like two or three mini herds. Definitely. Up. You know, some have just come into Oregon. Some of them are just coming up to Cascade Locks. A bunch of them were at Cascade Locks last weekend. Yeah, yeah. But a lot of people from PCT days were hiking north from there. Yeah. Yeah. So they're at, a whole bunch of them are at Snoqualmie now. Yeah. They're headed this way. Yeah. What, what have your totals been for the last couple of seasons? Uh, two years ago, we were at 388 that was last the, year. That was the biggest one. Yeah. Oh, okay. They, they, on average, grow 50 hikers a year total. Yeah. And so we got to 388, and then we jumped up to, last year, 706. Well, I think we're getting to uh, breakfast time. It sounds like it's time to shuttle the hikers into Skycomish here for some breakfast. Yeah. yeah, and then we've got a guy that wants to take him from Sky to the, the trailhead. Oh, okay. I will be in those numbers. Okay. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me, but even more so, thanks for hosting 
all of us hikers here, PCT mom and PCT dad, Andrea and Jerry Dinsmore. Well, just keep coming and we'll keep trying. Yeah, we'll do the best we can, you know, just don't ask the impossible of us. But we won't close our doors and probably until we're both dead. I hope that's a long way so away. So be kind to us. <laughs> <laughs> Keep your stress level low so yes. you, yeah, you can live as long of lives as we can help you live. Well, that's what we're trying to do. It's so far so good. Excellent. Glad to hear it. Well, cheers. Thank you so much. You're welcome. My name is uh, El Flacco, trail name, David Lowe, 58, going on 59 here directly. Uh, currently living in Ridgeland, South Carolina, and uh, but I've spent more time, I'd say, in the last five years on the trail than anywhere else. So, Which trail have you been on the most? Uh, the uh, AT. I've done that one three times. I want to make sure I got it right. Uh, <laughs> we'll see. I did it northbound in uh, 2010, and I uh, really didn't like my summit pictures, so I did it again northbound in 2011. <laughs> <clears throat> A lot better summit pictures that year. And then uh, instead of just merely casting aspersions on southbounders and calling them little beards and telling them they ate their dessert first and things like that, I hiked it southbound in uh, 2013 just to see what it was like. You Did know. you say those same things about the northbounders when you were hiking southbound? No, you have to say stupid things to, south, uh, to northbounders when you meet them like, pretty soon you're going to see some real mountains and other things that, you know, <laughs> upset them. <laughs> <laughs> and you got to be carrying something like a machete or a hatchet or something like that well into Vermont, you know, so you can get the northbounders all all worked up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> got a role to play it. You're Absolutely. Play it. Yeah, yeah. So when did you start on the PCT this year? I uh, started on April 20th. Mm -hmm. yeah. I started with a good friend of mine who I met uh, hiking the uh, AT on my second through hike, uh, Smiley. He was hiking with uh, his, the love of his life who he met on his second uh AT through hike in 2013. He's well, well behind me. Uh, he's hiking at couples speed, and, and uh, yeah, mm -hmm. rather than uh, bother them over, over much about that, I just uh, took off at, at uh, my own speed. They're, I think they're in Bend, Oregon, right now, or something mm -hmm. like that. So yeah. there's a lot of people still back there in Oregon at this yeah. point. Seems to me, uh, what with the snow and all that I've already seen at White Pass, and uh, just a couple days ago. Uh, as well that uh, they might consider moving just a little faster <laughs> well, if they're I'd, wanting to finish the trail yeah. this year but hey well, I'd, I'd still be back there if it weren't for the yellow blazing that I've done um, <laughs> spe speaking of which I mean you are pretty much maintaining a continuous line of footsteps are you not? Yeah I just uh, if I'm going to hike a trail then that's what I'm going to do and, and uh, it's more important to me than anyone else because it's all a matter of integrity but if I'm going to yeah, if I'm going to hike a trail, it's important to me to hike the trail, yeah, as opposed to saying, hey, I just I just figured out a way to save five miles if I walk this Forest Service road. Whatever, you know, I, 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 I came to savor the miles, not to save mm -hmm. them, you know, to mm -hmm. hike them. That's what I said I was going to do, and mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, so take, taking some detours, but walked those detours if that's <clears throat> walking on the road. And well, on the yeah, if it's a, if that's the official trail, if there's a closure due due to a fire, like with the Mount Adams Wilderness, uh, there was a 25 mile road walk, and most people hitched around that. Uh, but uh, there were several of us that it was important to hike it, and it was a it was a nice road walk. It was only about six miles of pavement. The rest was just like a really wide trail. So 
just mm -hmm. uh, how you look at it. But that was the uh, official trail. I didn't really have any uh, alternative if I wanted to maintain a um, continuous footpath from Mexico to Canada. Mm -hmm. And so far I've been able to pull that off. So mm -hmm. it'd be a little silly to toss that to the side now. Yeah, yeah. And you're about uh, less than 200 miles from the payoff. Pocket change, yeah, almost <laughs> there. So, uh, yeah, we had a, a possible uh, monkey wrench in the works with a, the 14.7-mile closure that was ahead of us. Uh, there was a 100-mile roadwalk that uh, apparently wasn't all that uh, picturesque, but that was going to be the only alternative to those of us who Wanna, yeah, we wanted to do that line the, of footsteps. Yeah, exactly. And so very happy whilst walking through 10 days of rain to find out that said rain had uh, helped extinguish said fire and mm -hmm. uh, now the trail is open again so mm -hmm. you don't have to worry about that yeah so how would you say the pct experience has compared to the at oh yeah that's a tough one i mean i guess well let's just look at my first at through hike i started on april 21st a day later than i started this hike and I finished it on September 15th. Well, I'm not to September 15th, and it, but I've done, you know, 300 miles and changed more than the entire length of the AT already. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I'll be finishing pretty close to that date. Mm -hmm. So it must be something about it. I'm several years older than I was. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm not any better physical condition. It's an easier trail to hike. Uh, yeah. The footpath, the grade. It's supposedly because of, it's built for equestrian travel, uh, mm -hmm. and I definitely would agree the footpath is a lot easier, but mm -hmm. it's not to say there aren't challenges. Mm -hmm. But mile for mile, it's a little bit easier. Yeah, I mean, I'm putting down... more miles per day. Yeah, I can average more miles a day. I'm doing 25 a day on this trail, and that on the AT is, is uh, not... There's a lot of people who can do that, lightweight hikers and so forth, but uh, that's... that's some serious mileage on the AT if you're putting down those kind of miles. Mm -hmm. And out here, it's pretty standard you know i was all excited uh let's see around bernie there was a a cool little uh uh trail magic spot uh what was it called uh it was a, just a mile in on the trail it was a picnic table and food and and water and so on and so forth and i was sitting there talking to another hiker and i was bragging about the fact that i'd just done 32.3 miles you know it was my biggest uh day to date and, oh, I don't know, five minutes after that, this young lady comes in. Oh, no, it wasn't even five minutes because she heard the tail end of my uh, conversation there. She said, oh, I just finished my first 35-mile day. And so, you know, my little being all proud of myself didn't last uh, five minutes. And then not 15 minutes later, another kid came in, and he heard all these mileage things. And he said, well, I just finished my first 40-mile day. And then later I ran into Snackies, who had just run a 50-mile day. So... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's just crazy the yeah. miles that people do on this trail or, or that are capable of doing, really. Yeah. There's no way you could do a 50-mile day on the AT unless you were doing some serious uh, narcotics of some sort. <laughs> <laughs> and I hear there's none of that on the AT. No, heaven forfend. Uh, about as clean a trail as you can encounter. Yeah, that's... Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> <laughs> no sarcasm at all. No, no, heavens, no. What are the, some of the more interesting things you've experienced on this trail on um this trail uh, well um a couple snowstorms in the desert uh wasn't expecting that that's for sure mm -hmm. um yeah, 
two big ones really as we were going through that. Right, area. right, yeah. And uh, it was funny to me how many people zoomed into town because of the horrible blizzards, and I was out <laughs> hiking in them, and there was, you know, like an yeah. inch and a half of snow or something like that. It was actually kind of beautiful. Yeah, I was one of those people in the first snowfall, and I learned my lesson, and I got out in it in the second one. Okay, fair enough, fair enough, yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know, uh, some of the things, like uh, after the second snowstorm, I was in Wrightwood, and I went up uh, Baden-Powell. There were a lot of day hikers that went up, and so there were, you could follow the footsteps, but then as we came off, uh, heading on the PCT north, there was nothing but uh, virgin snow. Nobody had uh, headed north on the PCT yet, and so there were uh, liability. I don't know if you've uh, encountered him. He's a 17-year-old on the trail who's... uh, Real, real good kid. He's from Washington. He decided to lead off and basically cut trail, and I was right behind him. Uh, that was uh, that was a lot of fun, yeah, because the trail disappears with the snow after the wind blows it across. I mean, you might have had a side trail visible, but it wasn't visible then. So sometimes we hit the trail. Sometimes we went through, uh, yeah, Manzanita bushes and such, but, uh, you know, we finally made it down alive yeah other things i came across the uh the knife edge in the goat rock wilderness yeah which uh i've heard tell is quite a beautiful section and so forth but when i went through it was in a cloud and uh, oh that's tragic they were 70 mile an hour winds so the fact that i survived it was the the cool part for me you know it's one of those things when you Mm -hmm. get through it and everything and you realize you're still still alive and yeah and the view up there is though one of the real gems of the northwest it's a uh, sh- it's a shame you missed that payoff wouldn't you know it and i understand there's this mountain called rainier up here but uh <laughs> i think it's just a story it's, it's yeah. just somewhere I've, off in the had, cloudy I've, mist. i've seen it uh not once uh yeah since we've entered the state so uh, yeah I haven't been in the rain for very long at this point but it is i don't even mind hiking through slo- the long slow slog through the rain if it's the lack of payoff at the end when you get up and that view's not there. That's the part I yeah I was that hike, gets to me. I was hiking uh, a couple of days ago with some uh, section hikers who live here and are getting ready to do the the whole trail next year. And they're real strong hikers and everything. But I was right behind them as we got up on this ridge, and she was pointing out all the places where there would have been views. <laughs> you know, it was like like over yeah. there is where we would be able yeah. to see right. Oh, yeah. and here is just incredible the view. Of a, you can see Mount St. Helens and Rainier and Adams. Oh, and, you know. And the, the lake down there is just gorgeous <laughs> when you can see it. Oh, yeah. But uh, I don't know. I, I don't mind hiking in the rain as a rule. I mean, it, it does get tedious when it's like two weeks in a row or whatever and everything's soaked. But I just kind of, I don't know, focus in on the smaller things that are on the trail, the, the plants, the, the rock patterns, uh, you know, I don't know. It's just really neat sometimes to watch the way the the clouds, the tufts of clouds go by. And to be out in that kind of weather when the weather breaks and the sun comes out and, you know, just the the way the trail looks, the smells, the the clean, washed atmosphere and everything, it's just, yeah. I mean, you can't really put a price on on that kind of thing. It all all has its own beauty for sure. Indeed. And the nice thing about pain is it feels so good when it stops. (laughs) (laughs) As Bullwinkle the Moose so aptly put it, yes. Nothing, yeah. Dry, a dry, partly sunny day has never seemed so good as when you've been <laughs> exactly, just exactly. gotten damp down to the core of your being Indeed. for days in a row. 
yesterday was, uh, was such an example. Yeah, it was really like, ah, there are views in this state after all. Mm-hmm. But, oh, yeah. yeah, just, uh, but the, the payoff on the rain was the trail is open now. The fires mm-hmm. are out or down a manageable size. So, you know, yeah. it was uh, a lot of people bailed. You know, uh, Cascade Locks said, you know, Washington's in flames. You know, mm-hmm. you're a fool if you go into the state. Turn off your spot device. Don't bother the rescue teams, you know. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, I, I, to make it all those miles and then just say, oh, well, I, I just couldn't imagine doing that. I'm not planning on going through some open fire, but, you know, I wanted to wait and see what was going to happen, and that paid off, you know. Yeah. Worry is a misuse of the imagination. So. And soon you will have hiked the entire PCT. Yes. You've hiked the entire AT. Mm-hmm. And I've heard it said that once you've done two, you have to do three. Well, yeah, you can do one trail or you can do three trails, but yeah. you can't just do two yeah, trails yeah. because... Yeah, so, so are we going to see El Flaco <coughs> on the CDT? Uh, if, there, if there's no world-ending cataclysm uh, in the... Near future, I'd, I'd say it's a certainty. Yeah. yeah, I just have to find some way to finance said endeavor. The uh, the whole notion of finding a rich heiress on the trail to help finance my future hiking endeavors has not, as of yet, uh, worked out. But now if there's uh, any rich heiresses out there who are entranced by the sound of your voice, how can they reach you? <laughs> <laughs> oh yes, well. <laughs> Certainly, they can reach me at uh, Jenkins Cove at yahoo.com. Uh, there you go. Yes, indeed. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Might as well put that in there. You, you sure, know, why right? not? Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, we have, most of us have, yeah, we have to find ways to go back and contribute to society and society. In, in between our, uh, our right. walks through the woods. Yes, indeed. Yes, good point. Uh, I probably <clears throat> will have to seek. Uh, gainful employment if the whole rich heiress thing doesn't work out but i'm not really all that concerned about that mm-hmm. either i've done lots of different things uh, mm-hmm. over the years and mm-hmm. don't owe anybody any money uh, don't really have any uh, assets to worry about taking care of uh, so you know mm-hmm. we'll see what happens but yeah. uh, so have you this will be at least your fourth through hike of a long distance trail right so you've had a f- few times that you've gone through the experience of hiking a long distance trail and then reintegrating into society at least <laughs> on some level or going back to regular life and I've, I hear from so many people about how difficult that is do you feel like you've learned anything from that process do you does it get easier I, or more difficult I don't think I've done a very good job of uh, reintegrating into society mm-hmm. I'd say maybe that's a, the wrong way to put it too <laughs> a certain, I'd say most people do just fine, mm-hmm. or it seems like uh, most people that I know do just fine getting back into society, and then they, you know, look back on their hike with, uh, you know, happiness and all this, that, and the other. But it's not some yearning to do another trail in the future. You know, they're they're happy with what they did, and they move on with life. And then there's a certain percentage who get rent. Uh, it's uh, R U. At any rate, yeah. <laughs> that's how you say ruined in, in uh, oh, okay. South Carolina. Oh. Uh, buy the trail and don't ever reintegrate. Uh, but, you know, I don't know. I don't feel too bad about it. I, uh, I'm kind of looking at life now like the way I look at uh, hiking. You know, when you're a section hiker, you just tend to carry a whole bunch of unnecessary nonsense in your backpack, you know, because it looked cool in the backpacker magazine or in the outfitter or, you know, and you got the latest stove and the... All kinds of this, that, and the other. But uh, mm-hmm. when you're doing a through hike, you you uh, 
you have to kind of like uh, pare down what you're carrying so you can, well, look up and see the trail and enjoy life, make the miles and so forth. But you, you learn what's in essence important to to pull off the endeavor, you know, and uh, and you get rid of the extraneous material. And, and there's just so much that appears to me in life that's extraneous, so much junk, so much baggage, so much unnecessary stuff that we just sort of weigh ourselves down with that uh, I've kind of applied the philosophy about, you know, lightening my pack load to life in general. And uh, and I'm... Mm-hmm. I'm enjoying it, you know. Maybe I'll pay the price uh, here on down the road, but right now I'm a I'm a pretty happy camper, and uh, life's pretty inexpensive when you're not making payments on all kinds of silly mm-hmm. things that you don't really need. So, or at mm-hmm. least that's the way I'm looking at it. Mm-hmm. So. Pairing life down to its essentials. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Are you looking forward to that moment of getting to the end of the trail? Are you just gonna be like, touch that monument and boom, I'm out of here? Or do you feel a sense of like? I'm getting to the end, and I want to kind of just savor the moment and and make this last. You know, I, I see that I saw that a lot on the AT because there's shelters all along the way, and all the shelters have shelter registers, and people express their their you know kind of they're coming to terms with the fact that the trail <clears throat> is coming to a close, and a lot of people had you know goals as to why they were doing the hike, you know, to discover themselves or whatever, and a lot of people find out they didn't really discover much of anything, and and sometimes you'll see people who skip lots of the trail, rationalizing their reasons for doing whatever they did. But you also see a lot of people who are kind of feeling bittersweet about it because, you know, yes, and I'd say I'm in sort of that category where, yes, I'm anxious to get to the end, but by the same token, I don't want the trip to end because, you know, obviously I love long-distance hiking uh, and being out in this and having the opportunity to witness all of this magnificence that we see on a daily basis, and, mm-hmm. and um, so yes, I'm I'm you know anxious to touch that monument, but I don't think I'll just tag it and leave. I'll I'll spend a little time there, uh, but mm-hmm. you know I'm almost grateful that I've got another thirty miles to hike back to Hearts Pass to extend the trip a little bit, yeah. um, and I'll be seeing some people who are almost there, so that'll be kind of cool, you know. The, Ex- exchange some congratulations and stuff, but high no, five, I don't high fives and hugs. Yeah, high fives and hugs. But yeah, I'll be happy that it's over, but I'll be sad that mm-hmm. it's over too. So, yeah. uh, but there's always the next trail. There's always, always the next trail. So yeah, I'll hike. go back and, and look at all the pictures that I've taken and all the videos that I've taken and you know so on and so forth for however long it takes me to get to the next trail. Uh, that's kind of sad. Isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> but you know you're not alone. No, the, you know you're not alone. Yeah. Uh, I have like all of my best shots from all of my other hikes on uh, on my screensaver on my computer, and and I'll you know just that'll pop up, and I'll start you know oh yeah that was there that was then that was this, and a friend of mine says oh Jesus he's watching his trail porn again, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so, but I'm gonna have a wad more trail porn for uh, mm-hmm. for my screensaver. That's for sure at the. Uh, end of this one so mm-hmm. you, you do take a lot of pictures on the trail oh yes yeah. yes i do do Lots. you uh have those up online or anywhere that people could, um, could check them out i really haven't uh done as much with that okay. as i should who, who in their right mind is going to sit down and watch you know like 128 gigs of photos and videos you know oh yeah of a hike you know <laughs> anyways you know you'd have to strap them to a chair you know mm-hmm 
put toothpicks in her eyelids and such. And that's why I don't keep this recorder running all the time because I can only <laughs> <laughs> if I have to really go through to find the good stuff. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Everything yeah. I record that's not the good stuff is that much more work I have to do. So to edit out, yeah. yeah. Well, I'll I'll endeavor to only. Oh no! <laughs> no, you're, you're you're spot on. I've got I've got stuff. Yeah, I've got nothing but gold here. I just, oh, yeah. sweet! Well, I mean, uh, there's times when I you know sometimes a bunch of hikers hanging out having a conversation. I could just leave this thing on for hours, and I would get some really really great material. But I would have to go through these hours through of just the, like yeah yeah you know just discussion about poop and farts and beer or whatever it is that people are talking about <laughs> right. yeah why know? is it through hikers and yeah. elderly folks talk more about uh, bowel movements than anyone else yeah, i've I ever don't know what it, met, i'd heard of know? it and i just it's been my first through hike like i was surprised when i was like no this really is a thing like yeah, we yeah. all are just sitting around talking about poop i'm like well poop in our regular lives why don't we talk about it in our regular yeah. lives why should it suddenly become a thing to talk about yeah, on like, trail like you know we're not pooping more often yeah it's like wow i just home. had the most magnet well i mean because yeah. i mean but there's points at which you have the most magnificent view you ever had in your life when you're taking a poop, right? Oh, sure. I mean, sometimes you just got the perfect spot and it all lines up and, and everything's wonderful, you know? And after mm-hmm. you're finished, you know, you're, you're whatever, four pounds lighter and you're just skipping down the trail. <laughs> and when do you get that excited about a bowel movement in regular life, you know? Really. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. I don't know. The things that we talk about, yes, indeed. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks for taking this time to talk on trailside radio I, I i forgot to mention like uh some listeners may be familiar with your voice because we met oh yeah down at, at kickoff, kickoff. Yeah. if anyone's like where have i heard this guy before oh, well, maybe there's someone who have met you but yeah, yeah yeah i've encountered a few who have uh, heard my voice and it was like oh yeah that's right i did that for ratatouille so yes that is a <laughs> Uh, three-time Appalachian Trail thru-hiker El Flacco <laughs> you're listening to Trailside Radio that is it <laughs> listeners having deja vu right now uh, all over again yeah. right on. but uh, best of luck on the rest of your hike and, well, likewise. and your f- future endeavors and hikes and all of that well yeah, real pleasure to catch up with you again uh, yeah I'd, I'd, I'd heard about that and I uh, I've heard several hikers that are listening to your uh, yeah. podcast on the trail, and, and so that's pretty cool. Yeah, I'm they, glad to see you're having a success with that. That's they couldn't get enough trail culture. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> through hiking, they have to <laughs> go and listen to uh, it. I showed uh, over easy a, a mm-hmm. panorama picture I took uh, yesterday as we were coming down off this, so like mm-hmm. this pass, and uh, and he's like, yeah, I can see it right next to me. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, I guess that is kind of silly to show you the picture of the thing that's right next to yeah, me. Yeah. I mean, oh. I love listening to trail podcasts, but that's when I'm back home yearning for the trail, not the, when I'm actually hiking on the trail. On the trail. Right, right. That seems yeah. that seems reasonable, yeah. yeah. I think there is something a little bit fun about uh, this and Sounds of the Trail, though, if you're listening while you're doing a thru-hike on a trail covered in the podcast, when you actually are hearing people that you've met on trail. And yeah. I think that is maybe one of the reasons that some people... Like some people choose to listen to them while they're out on the trail having that experience because of those moments where you can work both ways. You hear someone who you've met in real life beforehand mm-hmm. and maybe hiked with and know even know really well, or you can have that other experience, you know, the other way around where you right. bump into someone like, oh, hey, I actually. Yeah. I heard your whole story on this <laughs> podcast. And you were doing what with who again, was it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Right on. I'm going to have to listen to this uh, podcast now. Let's see if I can uh, hear somebody I might have met on the trail. Yeah, yeah, most likely. I mean, I've certainly you know covered some trail angels and some folks that I yeah I'm 
You'd be, I'd be amazed if you haven't met some of the folks. I'd be amazed too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, gosh, how many people? We've, we've, every, you can't have gotten this far on the trail not have met hundreds of other. Oh yeah, hikers. for sure, for sure. Thank goodness we don't have to remember all their real names. Oh yeah, I can barely keep up with the trail names. Right, right. Uh, yeah. But there are some unique trail names out there, that's for sure. Yeah, I learned sometimes you ask for the story behind someone's trail name, and that can often make it much easier to remember the trail name. Right, right. Yeah. Like, do, do, you have, do you have a good story behind yours? Uh, no, I just... Uh, <clears throat> Flaco means skinny in Spanish, and uh, uh, I've had the nickname since 1980. Okay. Uh, and uh, but it's uh, when I was in Costa Rica on a semester when I was in college, they I was called Flaco down there. Uh, I worked in Panama in 1983. Totally different group of people, different situation. I it was called Flaco there. Most recently, I, I had uh, I worked at a big commercial nursery, 650 acre uh, container nursery in South Carolina. All of my employees were Mexicans. They nickname everybody Flaco, Gordo, this that, this O, that O, the other O, you know. And so I was Flaco there as well. So I didn't think I'd get any more Gordo on the trail. So I just uh, rolled with it. So yeah, it seemed appropriate. So uh, a lot of people think that um, <clears throat> I, I like some football quarterback, you know, for the I don't know Baltimore Ravens or something okay. like that. Yeah, this last name is Flaco, but I, I could give two, you know. Whatever, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's just uh, just means uh, skinny, and El Flaco would mean the the skinny one, yeah. So to differentiate me from all the other skinny hikers who are out here, you know, the guy, the skinny guy with the beard, wearing a backpack, you know, that's mm-hmm. people. <laughs> skinny guy with a beard wearing a backpack. I think I saw that guy on trail. Yeah, yeah, I know the guy you're talking about. Sure. Well, happy trails, El Flaco. Happy trails to you, Ratatouille. A real pleasure to run into you again. Thank you, thank you. Hasta la próxima. <laughs> another week, another episode of Trailside Radio. You can find more episodes on trailsideradio.com or listen using iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast app. You can follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, or email me at trailsideradio at gmail.com. I know it sounds trite, but I really mean it when I say thank you for listening. Now get out there and hike. This is Trailside Radio, over and out.